I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tommy Tiernan podcast. And today we're going to be talking about China. I remember recently I was gigging somewhere, I can't remember if it was Wexford or Waterford or Wicklow, one of them www dot places anyway. And in the foyer afterwards, we met this young lad and Jesus, he was flushed with ecstasy. I mean, do you know the way the noise a toilet makes when you pull the chain or push the lever down and that whoosh of water that falls from the cistern down into the bowl. Well, that's the effect the ecstasy was having on him. He was whooshed with the pill. He was just out of it completely. Two big saucery eyes on him and his arms and legs all bendy and floppy. He was... This was, I was talking to him at about one or two o'clock in the morning in the foyer of the hotel and he was about to emigrate to Australia the following morning like... He'd be heading up to the airport still whooshed. And God be good to him. I hope he got on the plane and I hope he managed to get out there. But I'm chatting away to him anyway. And he has the sleeves rolled up and his sister is mainly uh, doing the communicating. He's just draped over the <laughs> draped over the couch like a blanket. There's no hardness in his body at all. He's He's like a human amphibian. He's just... So wonderful to handle and move around. And he had the sleeves rolled up in the jumper anyway. And he had um, a Chinese uh, tattoo. What he hoped was a Chinese tattoo on his arm. And I, I said, what, what does your tattoo mean? Because like a lot of Egypts, I'd have a Chinese tattoo on my leg. Um, I think it means deer. You know, as the not expensive now, but the animal. And so I asked, uh, what does that tattoo mean? And he managed to communicate to me that he, he so regularly and dependently got out of it at the weekend. Every Friday and Saturday night, he got himself twizzled beyond the ability to speak. And he used to like to end the evening getting some food, you know. And he was tired of going into the local Chinese takeaway and not being able to tell them what he wanted. So he got a tattoo in Chinese uh, on his arm so that all he had to do 
was drape himself across the counter, lift up the shirt sleeve, and the fellas would know what he wanted. I mean, I suppose it's a wonder he didn't have his address tattooed on the other arm so that when he got into a taxi he wouldn't have to speak either. And I suppose, all things being equal as well, he should have had a, a small kind of yoke built into his forehead so he could have the front, e, front key of the house, <laughs> the key of the front door of the house grafted onto his head so he could open that when he got home as well. And I hope for... His own sake, I, I, I have visions of him maybe the first night that he arrives in Melbourne or Sydney, Brisbane or Perth and he gets twizzled with his pals who are all working in the mines or something like that and he's down there and they find a Chinese takeaway, an Australian Chinese takeaway and he goes in and he shows the arm and they know exactly what he wants. I don't really know very much about China and I hope it stays that way because I love encountering strangeness. My guess is that they're not too mad about democracy in China. And neither am I, to be honest with you. Democracy to me is a pain in the hole every few years having to choose between a list of candidates that have been chosen for me. That's not real democracy. Real democracy, there'd be no name on the ballot and you would come with your own suggestions. You know, the the closest thing we ever had to that in Ireland, I think, was probably many years ago now, back in the 70s, where we had the Caller Kosengas Housewife of the Year. You know, you wouldn't put yourself forward for that. You would just be chosen. That was a great competition. Um, basically, this back in the 1970s, uh, girls... Uh, weren't allowed to fill out CAO forms. Oh, sure, you weren't allowed to. All you could hope for as a woman, that one day, even if you got placed in the Caller Gas Housewife of the Year, and it was just a parade up on stage of these women would be coming on with bags full of shopping and another woman would come on with an ironing board and <laughs> a load of clothes. And uh, That was the aspiration for women back then. I mean, we rightly look back in horror at stuff like that. You know, it's the equivalent of having a best slave competition on a cotton picking farm in Alabama in the 60s. The 1860s now, don't be getting ahead of yourselves. The whole um, uh, curiosity to me about democracy is that I, I don't I wouldn't mind living in a dictatorship. You know, I can't say it's, it's over to you now. I've better things to be doing than worrying about who's in charge of the country. There, you can have it now for a hundred years and, and see what you make of it. I suppose the the closest that we have nowadays to that kind of open, uh, you vote for whoever you, you think would be good rather than whoever you're given a choice of would be the election of the Pope. Of course, now choosing the Pope is uh, all the cardinals come in and... Um, it's based now. There, there are, of course, fellas from India and Africa, and from South America. But it's mainly very, very old white men in the running for the Pope. Uh, Doddery old men who are so old that they're almost women. Do you know that kind of beautiful, f- feminine thing that the Doddery can have? It's a little bit like uh, in a nursing home. Uh, electing a prefect 
So I have no problem at all with uh, China being a dictatorship. There are a billion people. There are over one billion people in China. And this is with the one-child policy. I mean, the queerness, that's the opposite, Ireland. In China, there are, there's no such thing as aunties and uncles or cousins. Nobody, the only person you're related to in China is yourself. It is such a vast empire of a place as well. The queer thing to me, one of the queer things to me as well is borders and how it always struck me as strange that China has a border with India. You know, that's almost like Nigeria having a border with Iceland in terms of how people look. Such is my ignorance of China that I always envisioned it would be like that the border, all of a sudden things would change. Like you'd have China and people looking, you'd have China, 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 and then, you know, a line in the sand and then all of a sudden everyone looks fucking Indian. And the same, they have a border with Russia as well. And when I think of what the country of China might look like, I have this vision of my head of Tiananmen Square and then a photograph of Chairman Mao and the rest is just fucking paddy fields. 400 million miles of rice and rain. And they have a billion people. They probably have 900 cities 34,000 different counties. I mean, the logistical nightmare of trying to organise the All-Ireland-China hurling qualifiers must just drive people absolutely demented. I've never been to China. And I remember when I was a young fella in secondary school, my career guidance teacher saying to me, I, I, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do when I left school. I had notions of being a professional pool player. But that, that was about it. And the career guidance teacher was talking to the whole class one day and, you know, asking different people what they wanted to do. And he came round to me and I just said, I don't know, sir. And I was kind of proud of the fact that I didn't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, sir. And he just fucking eyeballed me. And he says, why don't you fucking walk backwards across China? And everyone started laughing. But I'd love to do it. I'd love to do something as counter-cultural as walking backwards across China. Something as useless and wonderful as that. Something that could bring me no honour. Something that would just be a futile gesture in a futile world. They talk about China being the next superpower. Well, China already was a great superpower way back in the 1500s. The, and people automatically then will compare to America. Oh, the time of America is done and the time of China is now. But the interesting, one of the reasons why America became a superpower was not only because of its military might, which of course China has, it was the fact that America colonised our imaginations. 
all these ad American adventures seemed really, really exciting to us. America was new. Cinema came out of America. It was so exciting. Rock and roll came out of America. We wanted to be American, to go on these imaginative adventures. America was discovering itself and we wanted to join in and partake. It's hard to see China having the same attraction for people. Our imaginations have already been colonised anyway. The next superpower is virtual. That's where young people want to go. Young people want to become citizens of the virtual world. They already are. Most of us are citizens of the virtual world. So the next superpower won't be a country at all. It'll be whoever owns that space. It'll be a corporation. The next superpower will be a software provider. The next superpower already is. The next superpower is the software provider. There is a phenomenal joy in encountering otherness. It stops you thinking about yourself. When you encounter a person who seems so radically different from you, there's a pure joy of curiosity and intrigue. It's like a magpie. You know, a magpie is looking at other magpies and each of these other magpies makes the magpie think about himself and herself and, and, and how it might cope with, other, with these other craters. But then a magpie sees a robin or a goose or a pigeon and all of a sudden it kind of it has to let go and just behold and that's how I feel about China China says to me you haven't got a fucking clue about the world let me show you how we do things here and the more radically different it is from the way that we do things in Ireland in Europe, in the West, then the more stimulating an encounter it is. Many years ago, at the Edinburgh Festival, a friend of mine rode a young one from China. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about it afterwards. And he said, one of the most delightful things was he got the sense offer afterwards that there was no guilt involved now I don't really know how guilt would manifest itself in that kind of a situation but there was just an easiness and a freedom he said she had about sex that was very enjoyable to experience like but I, I kind of enjoy guilt there's nothing sexier than guilt you know, you, you have sex with somebody from Ireland, a, a, a born and reared Christian Catholic sufferer. Oh, jeez. The, the, your, 
your guilt gives your riding an extra level of evil intent. And there's nothing nicer than afterwards just cuddling up together and knowing that you've done something wrong and whispering into each other's armpits. Jeez, we're dirty bastards. We're dirty, filthy fuckers we are. Hit me. Hit me. I'm such a bad bastard. Hit me. Now, of course, we know that over there, the government is doing bad things to people. Oh, Jesus, you know, if, if you're thinking the wrong thoughts, oh, yeah, they get you. Oh, they fuck it. Then they, they stand on you. That They stand on you. Literally, they just, your face down in the muck, just breathing bubbles for the rest of your life. Um, we can say, oh, that's, you, you, you can't be doing that, you know, but Jesus... It's a big old place is China. There's a billion of them. So how would you put manners on them? Like if you decided that your way of doing things is better than their way of doing things. Would you, could you invade China like? I mean, us invading China would be like Athlone trying to attack Dublin. I mean, you know. There's 40,000 people in Athlone and there's a million and a half in Dublin. Now, I know a couple of crazy Athlone fuckers who would be up for it like and could take 10 or 20 lads down with them, but sanctions, I suppose. Jesus, I mean, God between us, not, that's probably the way to go about it, but everything gets made in China anyway. We'd have to try and persuade the Chinese to put sanctions on themselves. And you'd wonder how it is that they see us when China looks to the West and to Ireland. What does it think of us? Probably that we're a load of disorganised, interbreeding Egypts. They're probably aghast at the dreams that we have. That we're such pie-in-the-sky romantic thinkers. There's no notion of heaven or an afterlife in China. In China what you do is you work hard and you hand whatever you have on to the next generation. That's how practical they are. That is the point of being alive. To hand down stuff so the people coming after you have a slightly easier life than you have. We're a little bit more romantic than that. But you would hope, in the same way that I would delight in encountering the otherness of them, that when they come over here or when they watch our TV shows, that they would delight in the otherness of us. I don't want to be part of one big global superculture. I still want the experience of every now and again bumping into fucking oddness. Oddness that takes me hours <laughs> to get me head around. Oddness that I can make jokes about. Oddness that I can marvel at. Oddness that I can praise. Oddness that is a testament to the diversity of the human being.
And if I ever met, and I hope someday I will, if I ever met a Chinese man walking sideways across Ireland, I'd know that even though we look different, even though we talk different, even though we dream different, we would have our foolishness in common. And I know we have to be so careful these days in what we say for fear of somebody being offended. And it's almost like the more diverse a particular culture is, the more humour is challenged. If you can imagine a, a stand-up comedy club and you're, you walk out on stage and there are eight people there from the LGBTQ plus I, I hope I got that right now, uh, community. There are uh, black people there, there are white people there, there are Chinese people there, there are Indian people there, there are people from Mayo and Dunshockland. There are people in wheelchairs, there are the blind are there, uh, the, the deaf are there. You have somebody at the side of the stage signing the show. You have people in wheelchairs, you have Every possible oddness there in the room. I mean, you'd have to be careful about what you say in order to make all of them laugh. You know, you'd almost have to be doing a fucking uh, a mime act. Humour always is always kind of poking at somebody and a lot of the time it's poking at it pokes at yourself. You have to kind of undermine yourself. But then you also have to undermine what's out there. And it's very comfortable to undermine power. So that's one that's what we do. That one, you know that's part of the way that comedy works. It it undermines those in charge. So for example, most recently, there was a uh the wife of a French ex-French president said, oh, if he ever had an affair, I'd slit his throat. And it was kind of, it was people were laughing at it. Oh, jeez, isn't she, isn't she a ride for wanting to do that? But, and the reason she was able to make that comment and the reason why she wasn't attacked, as far as I know, for making that comment, and I don't mean physically attacked, um, is that the world is still, see, patriarchy is still clinging on or something like that. Or, you know, that we haven't, uh, women would say themselves, we're, we're nearly there or we're not nearly there or we've a long way to go or we've only just started. So it's okay for a woman to say that. But can you imagine the horror if a man said, if my wife ever had an affair, I'd, fuck, I'd stab her in the neck. Whatever job he had, he wouldn't fucking have it for very long. And rightly so, because it is an expression of power so when I think of trying to find something that would make the whole world laugh I mean apart from footage of penguins trying to get up a hill or Mr Bean it probably doesn't exist Mr Bean is massive everywhere enough said Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 